Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Gopi Janabala Bhagiri Varidhari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Gopi Janabala Bhagiri Varidhari Yashoda Nandana Prajajana Ranchana Yashoda Nandana Prajajana Ranchana Jamuna Tirambana Chari Yamuna Tirambana Chari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Gopi Janabalapa Girivarinhari Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Yashoda Nandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tirambana Chari Jamuna Tirambana Chari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Gopi Janabalapa Giri Varadhari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Kopi Janabalapa Giri Varadhari Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaiva Narotamam Devim Saraswatim Vyasam Tito Jayam Udirayan Nasta Prayeshwabhadreshu 
नित्यम भागवत Tejo Vari Madam Yata Vini Mayo Yatra Tri Sargom Risha Jan Madhyasya Yaton Vayad Itara Tas Charteshwa Bigyaswarat 
Tene Brahma Hridaya Adikavaye Muyanti Yat Surayaha Tejo Bari Madam Yata Vini Mayo Yatra Tri Sargom Risha Ramna Svena Sadana Rastakuhakam Satyam Param Dimahi Try. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> So, uh, just briefly, Janmadhyasya means what? The source of everything. Janmadhyasya. And uh, hmm. Abhigya. Abhigya means all cognizant. And Swarat, independent. Um, so, this all knowing source of everything who is completely independent uh, imparted the knowledge of the absolute truth in the heart of Brahma, Tene Brahma Hrida, Adi Kavaye, the original uh, person, Adi Kavaye, Brahma in the universe. Muyanti Yat And this Muyanti means illusion. So the even the Suryas, the demigods, are illusion by the external energy created by the Lord. Uh, which appears Tejo Varimridam which which makes um, water appear like land or land appear like water, this illusory uh, creation. Um, Damna, but although this material world is full of illusion like this, Damna Swena Sada, he is always in his eternal abode, unaffected. Damna Swena Sada Nirasta Kuha Kum, he's unaffected by this material energy. And therefore, satyam param dimahi, I meditate upon him, the absolute truth. So it's, it's just a beautiful invocation. Janmadhyasya yatan is the absolute truth is the source of everything. What, what other famous scripture begins with this aphorism? Janmadhyasya uh, yatan, it's also the first uh, line of the Vedanta Sutra. Tato Brahma Jigyasa. Now that you've come to the human life, try to understand the absolute truth. And then Janmad Yasya Yita. So the, the um, absolute truth is that from which everything emanates, or that from whom everything emanates. <laughs> which is a very a simple and profound statement. You know? um, there are various schools of Indian philosophy that attribute the origins of everything to either material or to Brahman. Uh, but And modern science is this, this reductionist, um, materialistic philosophy. It's known in the Indian tradition as Vaisheshika philosophy, that everything is material. Matter is all that exists. And so science has also postulated that the universe has originated from a chunk of matter about the size of a grapefruit. This is, uh, the, the space between atoms is so immense, between the, between the atoms and between the particles that make up an atom. The, this, the distance is so great that if all of the particles were compressed without any space in between them, it would be just the size of a grapefruit. This is what they say. 
And, and that was the origin of the universe. And there was a big bang, and it's all expanding ever since then. But then it will come to a point where it reaches its parameters, and then it will all condense again. It's called the big crunch. And all the matter comes back. <laughs> so, where does the grapefruit come from? They don't know that. That's for the philosophy department. <laughs> but science says it all comes from that, that grapefruit-sized chunk. So, um, it's very... It's eerily reminiscent of Mahavishnu breathing, isn't it? The universe has come out of his pores, and then he come back in. Uh, exhale, the big bang. Inhale, the big crunch. And, and then in the course of that breath, the billions of years pass, and all of the planets and stars and bodies manifest, and all the living entities are impregnated in them. And all this drama goes on uh, for billions of years. And then he inhales and it's all back in. And meanwhile, we're thinking it is very important. What am I going to do for lunch today? <laughs> so, <clears throat> a beautiful invocation given by Srila Vyasadeva. That's fine. Okay, so we'll read some from... The introduction to Srimad Bhagavatam. What is the introduction that the main content of the introduction that Srila Prabhupada gives? Anyone remember? The main bulk of it is made up by what? It's a life sketch of Lord Chaitanya, yes. Written by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So in this life sketch he summarizes the life of Lord Chaitanya, the ideal preacher of Srimad Bhagavatam. It's very interesting that Prabhupada chose to begin his epic work with this because we can't really understand Srimad Bhagavatam without Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And uh, therefore, first one must get the mercy of Chaitanya to enter into Srimad Bhagavatam. In this age, no one can say that he is free from sin. It is impossible for anyone to say this. But Lord Chaitanya accepts all kinds of sinful persons on the one condition that they promise not to indulge in sinful habits after being spiritually initiated by the bona fide spiritual master. Well, heavy start. <laughs> in this age, no one is free of all sin. There's a joke that Jesus is standing protecting the Virgin Mary. I mean, excuse me, protecting the... Uh, prostitute Mary Magdalene. He says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And then a stone comes flying from the crowd. And he says, Mom. <laughs> Couldn't resist that, sorry. <laughs> but the uh, point is that in this age, no one can say they are free from all sin. Um, in previous ages, just to have a sinful thought would create karmic, sinful reactions, just to have the thought. Uh, but in Kali Yuga, uh, oh, excuse me, and, and not only the thought would create bad karma, but to do something beneficial, you would have to actually do it. 
you would have to conduct, you have to complete the action in order to get the, the pious benefit. But in Kali Yuga, uh, there is no karma for sinful thought. You actually have to do the sinful activity to get the karma. But if you just think about devotional service, or just think about serving Krishna and so on, you get the benefit of that. So it's a great concession for Kali Yuga. So because everyone is um, born into a sinful condition, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu nonetheless accepts them. Can anyone remember a verse from Bhagavad Gita which says how everybody is born into sin? Remember this verse. Uh, Tuesha Samutena Dvanda Mohina Bharat. Every living entity is overcome, overwhelmed by the influence of desire and hate. So um, the the point is not to try to demonstrate our sinlessness. Uh, the point is to become eligible for the mercy of Lord Chaitanya. And he's very, very benevolent, very accepting, whatever our background may be. Uh, if we are willing to meet this one condition, we promise not to indulge in sinful habits after being spiritually initiated by the bona fide spiritual master. So initiation is that that point of uh, rehabilitation. And this is common in many traditions. I was visiting a Baptist church recently, and they, they have a tank for baptismal. You know, and the idea of the baptism is that when you do that, then you're, you're relieved of all past sins. Totally clean slate. The problem is that the actual sinful activities are not identified. So one doesn't know. Uh, without knowledge, how can one avoid committing sin? Uh, for example, to eat the flesh of cows is particularly uh, terrible sinful activity. It destroys austerity. It destroys compassion. So not understanding that, people will eat meat very regularly and think nothing of it, not knowing that it's a very sinful activity and that there's tremendous karma that comes from it. A birth for every hair on the body of the cow that was eaten. And not only the person who eats, but the person who uh, raises, the person who kills, the person who butchers, the person who sells the meat, the person who delivers the meat. All these people are implicated in a conspiracy. And yet people don't know. know, And they think it's perfectly fine and normal to eat meat. So how can such a person be free of sin, even if they're baptized or officially uh, absolved uh, of sinful reactions. Uh, It doesn't have the effect if the sins go on. That was another thing Jesus said to the prostitute. After he saved her, he said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, everybody left. And then he said to the prostitute, remember what he said? Did now go and sin no more. So he re, he saved her, but then he also said, "Now no more." So this is the uh, condition. The actual condition is to know what are sinful activities, and then to promise to stop them, and then to observe that promise. It said that the spiritual master will come back to rescue the wayward disciple, but. Not if this disciple is voluntarily, again, committing sinful activities. Then it 
the contract is broken. So the the point is that um, taking initiation is not as informal a thing as being baptized, nor is it just a matter of now I believe, but that is the, the moment at which one says, okay, I am promising in front of the deities, in front of the devotees, in front of the fire, the mouth of Lord Vishnu, I'm promising in front of the spiritual master not to commit these sinful activities anymore. And then as long as one is a gentleman, as Prabhupada said, and keeps that promise, then one's uh, destination is out of this material world. So this is the, the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, regardless of our background. Uh, even if one is the most sinful of all sinners, Krishna says in the Gita, if he's situated in a boat of transcendental knowledge, he can cross over the ocean of Nessians. Any comments on this paragraph? We'll read some more. There are a number of instructive points to be uh, observed in the incident of Jagai and Madhai. In Kali Yuga, practically everyone is of the quality of Jagai and Madhai. If they want to be relieved from the reactions of their misdeeds, they must take shelter of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and after spiritual initiation, thus refrain from those things which are prohibited in the Shastras. The prohibitory rules are dealt with in the Lord's teachings to Srila Rupa Goswami. So, um, although everyone is of the quality of Jagai and Madai, they can be relieved of their past misdeeds by taking initiation and refraining from those things which are prohibited in the Shastras. So these four things, meat-eating, intoxication, gambling, and illicit sex. Illicit sex destroys cleanliness. Gambling destroys honesty. Intoxication and meat-eating, Prabhupada gives alternating, corresponding sinful uh, or or loss of good habits. Uh, uh, Meat-eating is said to destroy compassion, because obviously you have to take the life of the animal. But it's also said to destroy austerity, because that's something that one who is civilized should just refrain from. And likewise, intoxication destroys austerity. It's you know, a very big thing to indulge in intoxication after a hard week of work, right? So everybody wants to just try to forget their suffering through that intoxication. Not to do so is austerity. But the other thing that's interesting, austerity, Prabhupada says, because it destroys compassion. When a person is addicted to us, to some intoxicant, they just don't care about anyone else or anything else, right? They'll throw away their family's money. They'll throw away their relationships just to get their, uh, their intoxicant. So it also butchers compassion. So these four sinful activities are not really that much, you know? It's, it, it's only a substantial sacrifice if one is very acclimated to doing them. But in a very short time, one becomes free of any interest in these things. So this is the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What would be impossible materially, all but impossible, to, to give up all sorts of bad habits becomes very easy by his grace because his method for self-realization is called Kevala Ananda Kanda. So Kevala means exclusively, and Ananda means bliss, and Kanda means path. Says Kevala Ananda Kanda, nothing but 
joyfulness. And with that pleasure, one can very easily give up sinful activities. Devamrita Maharaj likes to tell the story about the first time he saw devotees. It was on a television show in New York City when he was a student at Yale. And uh, he was at a party with his friends. And he was watching, they were watching this show where the host was interviewing the devotees. And they were talking about, about Krishna consciousness. And he said to his friends, they need to attend one of our parties. Then they would know what Ananda is. <laughs> so, uh, as Srila Prabhupada wrote, unknown to all, this life of Krishna consciousness is full of grace. It's full of vigor. It's, it's rejuvenating. It's enlivening. No matter what our consciousness is when we enter the temple, we hear and chant in the association of devotees. We see the beautiful deities. We leave in an uplifted frame of mind, isn't it? It, it always, always works. But we just apply ourselves to the process. So these prohibitory rules are just four things. Not so difficult. When Rabindra Sarup Prabhu would visit this Christian seminary in Pennsylvania, he would go each year to give a talk at the World Religions class. So the professor would always take him by a display case, the Hinduism display case, and it had um, a bed of nails. <laughs> So the professor would kind of dawdle there and say, hmm, here's our Hinduism display. As if to say, in my tradition, we don't have to do all these horrible austerities. Uh, emoluate the flesh, right? We don't have to hurt, we don't have to show our tremendous austerities in order to get God's grace. But this, of course, is really not the process of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's just that these four prohibitions seem like a bed of nails. And what was it that the governor of Bengal said to Srila Prabhupada's godbrother? Can you make me a Brahmin? Yes. All you have to do is follow these four principles. I'd rather die. <laughs> so spiritual life replaces, this is the point, replaces this lower taste, and thus the, higher, the practice becomes very easy. Any other comments on that? Ananda Lokabru and I were just reading about this, that Srila um, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati wrote that he was asked, why do um, some devotees seem to come from very difficult backgrounds, right? I, I, I think I have it, actually. Okay. May I read it here? Do you want to read? Is there another microphone? Or? If, can you read this in Nandaloka? Such a, okay, good. <laughs> Beautiful passage that just directly addresses this question. Not working? Here it is. Um, you have it on now? 
Is it turned on? Okay. I'll, I'll read it. This, unless you'd like to come over to the mic. Yeah, please. Srila Bhakti uh, Siddhanta Saraswati Thakura was once asked why the Lord's devotees sometimes come from undistinguished backgrounds or are poor, uneducated, or physically challenged. He replied, Devotees are never subject to the results of their karma. It is by the will of the Lord that they take birth and perform other pastimes. But when it is seen that they are born in low-class families, are illiterate, or are disease-ridden, we should know that there is a great and noble purpose behind it. If people saw that devotees were always born in high-class families, or always strong or educated, then they would become discouraged. So the merciful Lord, in order to benefit people of all classes, sends his devotees to different classes of society to give his mercy to other living entities. Srila Vrindavan Dastakor has said in his Chaitanya Bhagavat that a Vaishnav delivers everyone just by taking birth. In a land and in a family where a Vaishnav descends many hundreds of miles around, they place that place becomes purified by his influence. So the Lord brings us into various classes of society so that others like us can become attracted. Isn't that a nice explanation? Yeah. That does, I think, address, addresses your question, right? <laughs> During his householder life, Lord Chaitanya did not display many of the miracles that are generally expected from such personalities. But he did once perform a wonderful miracle in the house of Srinivas Thakur while Sankirtan was in full swing. He asked devotees what they wanted to eat, and when it was informed that they wanted to eat mangoes, he asked for the seed of a mango, although the fruit was out of season. When the seed was brought to him, he planted it in the yard of Srivas, and at once a creeper began to grow out of the seed. Within no time, this creeper became a full-grown mango tree, heavy with more ripened fruits than the devotees could eat. The tree remained in Srinivasa's yard, and from then on, the devotees used to take as many mangoes from the tree as they wanted. So this is described in the Chaitanya Bhagavat. Right? So, um, Srila Prabhupada told a story about this, uh, the miracles. There was a, a gentleman in Bengal named Tarun Kanti Ghosh, who was the uh, one of the cabinet ministers in the state government of West Bengal. And he was a very affectionate follower of Srila Prabhupada. He used to visit him often. But once he went to South India and came back and told Srila Prabhupada, I saw this Baba was mystic, and he just produced an apple from his hand, from thin air. I saw it with my own eyes. So the Prabhupada reflected for a moment. He said, when I went to America, I had no money, 
just a pair of kartals, and I began chanting in the park, and some people came, and then they opened a temple. And then we opened another temple in San Francisco, and another, and another. And now, wherever I go in the world, there's big palatial houses and temples full of devotees, full of servants, American and European servants, and they're not being paid. So temples, houses, servants, and in every temple, we have so many apples. <laughs> so this was his miracle. <laughs> that um, just as Lord Chaitanya produced this tree that give all of the fruits the devotees could eat, the tree of love of Godhead produces so many fruits the Lord Chaitanya, that they are stored <clears throat> in this storehouse. And Lord Chaitanya broke open the door to get to these fruits of love of God, and then he could not eat them all, so he was distributing them. And he could not distribute them fast enough, even with the help of all of his associates. So he plundered the storehouse of love of God and could not distribute the contents fast enough. So therefore, he's asking our help to distribute them. Yesterday we were driving and saw a Sherwin-Williams paint truck, which has this famous logo, Cover the Earth. Have you ever seen this? This is their logo. Half of the globe is covered with paint. Sherwin-Williams. So Prabhupada saw this logo one time, and he said, yeah, this is ISKCON. Cover the world with Krishna consciousness. Uh, Every single living entity can become a devotee of Krishna. Um, in, in, the, in the human form of life, they can do it right now. And I remember in 1975 going to Chicago, and there was an installation of Gornitai deities for the Radhadamadar buses. Six sets of deities being installed <clears throat> at once, to, each one to go in one of these buses that would be traveling all over the country. And each bus had several vans associated with it. And Prabhupada was initiating 75 devotees and we were watching, I was watching with some friends from the, the gallery, and we just thought, this Krishna consciousness movement is going to take over America in five years maximum. It's just so superior to anything else out there. Everyone, when they realize what a wonderful thing, everyone's going to take up. That was our, I mean, we just had no doubt about <laughs> five years maximum. Now we see, even to get one person to come to Krishna consciousness, it takes gallons of blood. It, it is such a big endeavor. And yet, the taste is so sweet that we keep trying, you know, although the odds look impossible. So, Lord, this is Lord Chaitanya's desire. The fruits of love of Godhead would be rapidly distributed all over the world by as many devotees as possible. Any comments on this? The, these mangoes, by the way, are said to have no pit. They're so sweet. And they come all the time. In Guyana, by the way, the mango trees bear fruit three times a year. And it gives so much, nobody even bothers picking them up. There's little mango trees growing all over. That reminds me of this. The Lord had a very high estimation of the affections of the damsels of Rindavan for Krishna. And in appreciation of their unalloyed service to the Lord, once Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu chanted the holy names of the gopis instead of the names of the Lord. 
At this time, some of his students, who are also disciples, came to see him. And when they saw that the Lord was chanting the names of the gopis, they were astonished. Out of sheer foolishness, they questioned him why he was chanting the names of the gopis and advised him to chant the name of Krishna instead. The Lord, who was in ecstasy, was thus disturbed by these foolish students. He chastised them and chased them away. The students were almost of the same age as the Lord, and thus they wrongly thought of the Lord as one of their peers. They held a meeting and wrongly thought they held a meeting and resolved that they would attack the Lord if he dared to punish them again in such a manner. This incident provoked some malicious talks about the Lord on the part of the general public. So Lord Chaitanya had a grammar school which he was teaching. And of course reading was not that common in those days. This was before books were printed widely. So only the Brahmins would have access to the books and very few people would learn how to read. So Lord Chaitanya was teaching and as a young man and his students were not much younger. So when they saw him chanting, Gopi, 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 they chastised him. Why don't you chanting Hare Krishna? And Lord Chaitanya in turn chastised them and uh, did not appreciate them interrupting his meditation. So then all of this happened for a purpose of driving the Lord out of the uh, school business. He was no, it was no longer acceptable for him to do that because now people were criticizing and they were making offenses to him. This reminds me of a story of Srila Prabhupada walking in Paris. So the temple in Paris was in this red light district and they would, devotees would go walking with Srila Prabhupada early in the morning and some of the ladies of the night were still around, like 4.35 a.m. And so... Prabhupada said, yes, the French women are very famous for their beauty. And the English women are very famous for something else. But the women from Bengal, they're very famous for their long, beautiful black hair. Therefore, the British used to keep them as prostitutes. So everyone was silent after Prabhupada made this remark, not quite knowing how to respond. And then Yogeshwar Prabhu says, "Uh, Prabhupada, Krishna also has beautiful, long black hair. To which Prabhupada replied, Why are you bringing up Krishna? We are talking about prostitutes in Bengal. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody laughed. And then Prabhupada said, Actually, it is to your credit that you have brought up Krishna. So, Lord Chaitanya, on the other hand, he was disturbed by this foolish interruption. And um, it's very instructive, you know, that the the student has to have respect for the teacher in order for knowledge to be transmitted. If the student has no respect, then there cannot be an exchange of of knowledge. Um, This is a beautiful thing about Indian culture, that there's... Respect is kind of drilled into you at an early age. Right? I mean, respect for elders, respect for Brahmins, respect for priests. And, and uh, it's a beautiful thing, actually. America is lacking in that department. Depreci- also depreciating. 
It's a very difficult time to raise children, huh? So we have to give them love. And um, if they're disrespectful, we have to tolerate. It's very difficult to tolerate. You, you go from, in parenthood, you go from being the most wonderful man and woman on earth to being like people you wish lived in another state. All in the space of about 12 years or so from age like 3 to 15 or 16. <laughs> this is this gradual transformation. Oh my God, you're ruining my life. Why don't you just go away and leave me alone? But please send money. <laughs> so these, these young students were adolescents like this. You know, they weren't very old, maybe 15, 16, and they were disrespecting Lord Chaitanya in this way, questioning him. Now, you're our teacher, but we see that you're doing something wrong. See how arrogant that is. It, it, it's, doesn't, there's nothing wrong with questioning our teacher. Okay? If the questions are presented in, in a proper mood, not in a challenging mood, but in an inquisitive mood. So, Lord Chaitanya, uh, you know, or Nimai Pandit, why are you chanting the names of the gopis? They, they could have approached him like that. They could have given <clears throat> expression to their doubt without making an offense. There was a similar incident when the gopis <clears throat> were abandoned by Krishna, and then, and then he returned after some time. When they all came, at, when they all came together in their separation from Krishna, then Krishna was attracted by that unity and returned to them. So when he came back, they remembered how he had left them earlier in the night because of what? Because of their pride. Yes, they were thinking, wow, we're the most fortunate women in the universe. Krishna was gone. And then they were lamenting, oh, why did we do it? We miss Krishna so much. And when they came to this realization, then Krishna returned to them. So they didn't want to rock the boat. They were very happy that Krishna was back. At the same time, they had, they wondered why he left them. So very tactfully, they asked him this question. Why, they said, some people um, give love only when they are loved. Some people give love even without being loved. But some people, even when they're loved, don't give love. So what are your thoughts about these different kinds of people? <laughs> Very tactful. See, indirectly, they're, they're asking, we gave you so much love and you left us. <laughs> they didn't want to say that directly like these students. So they very tactfully asked, so what do you think about people like this? <laughs> and Krishna said, to give love only when you are loved is not really love, it's a business transaction. You love me, I'll love you. To, to give love, or to give love even when you are not getting love in return, this, is, this means you are either a true friend a parent, or a saint. Like we're talking about the kids being so rebellious to the parents, but the parents still love the kids, even though they're rebellious. So these are the 
types of people, Krishna says, three types who can re- give love even without receiving it in exchange. But he said people who don't give love when they are loved, there are of two types. Either they're very selfish or they're very saintly. They're self-contained. They are atmarama. They don't need the love of others. So they don't necessarily reciprocate with it. And so this is kind of like referring to the impersonalist. So anyway, Krishna, after giving all of these explanations, then he says, perhaps you're thinking that I left you because I was not reciprocating with your love. He said then, that was not the case at all. Because when the beloved leaves, when the loved leaves the beloved, um, then there is a natural increase of affection in the hearts of the beloved. Do you really think I could have left you? He said, your love, but your love, the problem, he said, your love is so glorious that I cannot reciprocate it. It's so glorious that it will have to be its own reward. So this was the way that the Lord, that Lord Krishna dealt with this, this question. In Lord Chaitanya's case, however, he had other uh, purposes. You know, this, this uh, disrespectful treatment from the students drove him to take sannyas. Because people, by disrespecting him, were making offensive. So we'll read about that next. All right? Any other comments on this? All right. Then we'll stop here. Shula Prabhupada. Oh yes, Prabhuji. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, exactly. There was only one case where Srila Prabhupada rejected a disciple and did so in long term. There's other cases where he did briefly, but then encouraged them to come back. This one case in Los Angeles, two of my godbrothers were going to colleges and presenting Krishna consciousness, and then professors were asking them questions and that they were disturbed by these questions. Um, so they said, Srila Prabhupada, when they read the Krishna book, at the end of the Krishna book, there's a description of the dynasty of Lord Krishna. And it describes there that Ugrasen had, King Ugrasen, who was in the outer dynasty, had so, so many uh, billions of descendants <laughs> And um, and for them, all of these children and descendants, he had he had to have so many teachers, and it all came up into the billions and billions of people. So Prabhupada, they said, Prabhupada, they look at this and they laugh and they say, where did they put all the bathrooms? <clears throat> so Prabhupada said, that's all right. Just show them another section of Srimad Bhagavatam that they can understand more easily. And then the devotees persisted, and they said, but Prabhupada, this number seems phenomenal. They just couldn't accept it. How are we supposed to understand this? 
And Prabhupada again just said, well, then just read another section of the Bhagavatam. But again, they persisted. And finally, Prabhupada said, you do not require spiritual master. <laughs> so, uh, these, the, the uh, spiritual master will not reject the disciple out of uh, the disciples' lack of knowledge, but rather out of the disciples' unwillingness to approach in a submissive attitude. Once years ago, I was driving. We were driving from Dallas, I believe, back to Gainesville. We were in Louisiana with some of the young devotees from Krishna House, and our van broke down. So the tow truck driver came out, and he pulled us to the garage, and he said something I'll never forget. He was talking about his Christian ministry. And he said, I can fix ignorant, but I can't fix stupid. (laughs) I can fix ignorant, but I can't fix stupid. (laughs) So please meditate on that today. (laughs) um, The spiritual master can fix ignorant. But if we have no common sense, then we're not really what it means is if we don't use our intelligence to apply the instructions of the spiritual master, he can't help us. So that's the responsibility that comes with transcendental knowledge to apply our to apply our intelligence and figure out how to use it and apply it in our lives. Does that answer your question? Yeah. In other words, it's not just I'm very passive. Yes, Guru Dave. Yes, Guru Dave. Is it, can I, is it, are, are we over time now? It's time to stop. Eight thirty. Anyway, just I'm Dharma. It's good to see. You. So there's there's a story about the uh, guru who is away from his ashram, and he returned to the ashram, and. Saw many improvements. Oh, look at this nice landscaping. Oh, you've made this addition. Oh, you've repaired that. Very good, very good. <clears throat> Disciple said, It is all your mercy, Guru Dave. Then they went in the office, and the Guru said, So show me the books. So he's looking through the cast. He said, You spent all the money. Well, yes, Guru Dave. We put in the landscaping, we fixed this, we put it on the roof. And we told you, It is all your mercy. <laughs> So, there's two types of devotees, the guru bogi and the guru sevi. And the guru bogi wants to enjoy the, the association of the spiritual master, the assets of the spiritual master. And the guru sevi wants to increase the assets of the spiritual master and to facilitate the spiritual master's reaching others. Okay. This is the difference, guru sevi or guru bogi. So, like these students of Lord Chaitanya, they, because they just wanted to enjoy his association, and then they criticized him. That leads to criticism. That's the point. Okay. Jai. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Srila Prabhupada ki jai.